You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. How are you, River? Good morning. Hallelujah. Are you happy to be in church this morning? Good. I'm not going to keep you long. I've been given specific instructions by a few of the volunteers. They don't want to eat their food cold. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to be brief, try to be brief, but I want to, I want to talk to you this morning about the importance of the giftings and the callings that are on the inside of you. We have so many people that volunteer in this church and so many people behind the scenes, as you saw this morning, this, I don't even think this was all of them. A lot of them weren't even here this morning for, for one reason or another, but probably still working, (laughs) probably working somewhere, but so much goes on behind the scenes that we don't realize. And a lot of times we think that something that we do in the church or in the body of Christ is insignificant. Sometimes we think that it's not as important as other roles, or sometimes we think that, that, that we could, you know, you could slack off and we would never notice. But the truth is you are extremely, extremely vital and important in the church. Amen. Would you do me a favor? There is, God is so worthy. Can you just take just a minute, give God some praise Clap your hands. Verbally tell him thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, thank him. Give him glory for what he's for what he's taken you through. Give him glory for what he's shielded you from. Come on, give him glory for what he's brought you out of. We serve a good God and he's worthy, 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 worthy. Wonderful Jesus. Whew. I can't do that enough. Good, good stuff. Whew. Okay. We honored our volunteers this morning. That's important. When I think about a plan or a calling that you have on your life or that I have on my life or that I see in other people, I think it's important to understand that, that the plans and the callings and the giftings are not there by accident. When I think about a calling, I think about a need. When I think about a plan, I think about a need. The, the, the things that I need in life, I put a plan together and I begin to activate that plan in different ways. I begin to put people in place at my property that I manage at High Meadow Apartments. If you need a place to live, High Meadow Apartments. <laughs> Little plug. No, but if whenever I have a plan for the property, I have to put people in place to fulfill the plan, right? If I have a need, I have, to, I have to begin searching and find out a qualified person or somebody that I can help get to the position that's able to do that. It takes the people to work out a plan and the church and then the body of Christ is no different. I'm thankful for a congregation that has so many talents, so much talent and so much diversity of the things that you can do that help make this church what it is. And I don't think that it's by accident. And I think that there's more here than what is being used. And I don't mean this in any kind of rebuke or any kind of negativity, but I'm encouraging you this morning that I think that there's probably more. I know of a couple. I ain't going to call you out. Don't worry about it. But I know of a couple of gifts and talents that aren't being used because of our own insecurities, 
or our own feelings of doubt or our own feelings of, of unworthiness or our own feelings of unequipped equality, right? Think about um, Acts chapter 9. This is a very familiar passage of scripture. We're not going to read it, but um, I just want to kind of paraphrase a little bit. In Acts chapter 9, Saul recognized Jesus as the Lord immediately, right? Whenever he gets kicked off the the donkey and, and he's laying there and he sees a bright light. That's all he sees. And the people that are with him, he doesn't even see them anymore. He only sees Jesus. And Jesus begins to tell him what he needs him to do. The Saul who turned into the apostle Paul had a horrendous past. And, and can you imagine feeling the calling and feeling the gift? If he recognized Jesus and he recognized the gift, because the Bible says that, that, that Saul said, Lord, what do you have me to do? He instantly knew that there was something that he needed to do. He felt the call. And I remember feeling, if you would have told me 11 years ago, Casey, you're going to be leading worship and you're going to be preaching the gospel. I would have called you a moron. I really, sorry, Pastor Ann, where is she? I would have called you a silly goose. (laughs) I never intended for my life to go in this direction, but God had a plan. When, when, when my wife told me, Casey, I married a preacher, so God's going to raise up a preacher inside of you. I said, <laughs> you married the wrong guy. Cause I ain't, I ain't about to get up in front of nobody and preach, but I am who was right. But my wife. But I remember the gifts. I remember, I remember the callings. I remember the things, the desires that were placed inside of me. And I, and I, was, I was just as confused by it probably as, as Saul was whenever he got kicked off the donkey. And he's like, why? What, what do you have me do? That's what, that's what Saul's saying. What are you going to make me do? We have callings and we have gifts and we have desires placed on the inside of us for a purpose. And you may be saying, God, what are you going to make me do? What, what, how are you going to use me? I was told, I was eating lunch, uh, dinner last year. That was good. It was good. It was here at the river, so I'm sure it was good. I was eating dinner, uh, last year and, um, got to sit with a mighty man of God. And I know that it was last year because a few days ago, my Facebook told me, so thank God for Facebook, but a few years, uh, last year, a few days ago, one year ago, a few days ago, I got to eat lunch, dinner with a um, mighty man of God. And he sat at my table and he had so much wisdom. And he looked up and he said, hey, Casey. And I said, hey, how are you, man? Have a seat. So we sat there and we were talking. And out of the blue, he looks up at me and says, you know, God helps little guys do big things. You know who this theologian, great man of God was? Pagan Arnold. If the church, (laughs) if the body of Christ could get a hold of the revelation that Pagan Arnold has in the fact that God helps little guys do big things, we could be world changers. But instead, we focus on our own inabilities and don't think about what God has placed inside of us. Have you ever felt like the little guy? Insignificant, unequipped, unqualified. 
Have you ever, I've felt like the little guy. I've walked into situations and circumstances and been like, my God, I'm the little guy. Even since Tegan told me that that day, I went home that night and I began to just talk to God about it. I was like, Lord, you're showing me something through, he was what, four at the time? Four years old. And God, you're using a four-year-old to show me something. You are never too young You're never too unqualified. You're never too unequipped. You're never too ill-used for God to bring you up and to use you for what he's called you to do. God places callings on the inside of you for a purpose. God places gifts on the inside of you for a purpose. Think about Gideon. Gideon was a coward by his own admission, right? Gideon says uh, he, he considered himself a little guy. He said, I'm the least in my father's house. God had a call on his life, and whenever he, whenever he was told what he was supposed to do, an angel of the Lord had to come and remind him that he's a mighty man of valor. I'm reminding you today that you are a mighty man, mighty woman of valor. In Judges chapter 6, this is all taking place. God has chosen Gideon to free the people of Israel, and Gideon's like, are you kidding me? You're choosing me. Look at all these people. I'm the least. I shouldn't be doing this. But God called him, so God put him in there, and, get, and, 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 and an angel came and reminded him, and, and this, is, this is really probably a shock to Gideon, when his army was taken down, and then down, and then down. He started out with, what, 32 or 33,000 people, something like that, and then he got all the way down to 300, and God said, now go. Now you're now you you may not have been qualified with 33,000 but now go with 300 amen God uses us in ways that we don't expect ourselves we it has to be God because when God starts using us in ways that we don't recognize ourselves it has to be God especially when it's successful one of two things happen in, in that scenario with God and Gideon, one of two things happened. Either God had an incredible sense of humor or God saw something on the inside of Gideon that Gideon didn't see or recognize himself. I'd say number two. Gideon couldn't see what God saw inside of him. And if you would have told me, like I said earlier, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, that I would be doing this, it would have been insane to me. But somebody saw something on the inside of me that I didn't see myself. God has the ability to look down on the inside of you and see what you don't recognize. Come on, he took David. He looked at David and he pulled out a king. He looked at Saul and he pulled out the apostle Paul. He looked at Abram and pulled out Abraham, the father of a multitude of nations. He looked at Adam and he pulled out Eve. He looked at Mary and he pulled out Jesus. Are you hearing me? Do you think that any of those people listed knew what was on the inside of him? We have to be submissive to the presence and the voice of God to do and to carry out what he has planned. When God comes up with a plan, he has to use us as vehicles to do what he needs done. They didn't see it in themselves, but their creator had a different opinion. 
can you imagine being Mary? <laughs> she definitely didn't know Jesus was in there. Amen. The Messiah, the one who would be born, whose bloodshed would take away the sins of the world. <laughs> Are you hearing me? This is good stuff. You don't recognize what's on the inside of you, but God does. And when he tells us about it, we tell him he's crazy. If I was married, I would have been like, you got the wrong girl. <laughs> Jesus on, in me? Mm -mm. You got the wrong one. You know what I did? Saul. Even, in, even, even later on, after God, God, God had called him, Jesus appeared to him in a vision. Even after that, later on, I think it's uh, chapter 21 or 22, he's arguing with God. He's like, no, God's telling him what to do. And he's like, ah, wait, whoa, hold on. I, I did this and I persecuted and I did this. and I did. He's bringing out his own insecurities, his own doubts about himself. And God is telling him a different opinion. You don't see it, but God does. And when we stop and we listen to the opinion of the creator, don't you think the creator knows what he built? Don't you think that God created you so he knows what he placed in there? I was driving down the road headed to Greenville, Texas on Highway 69 a few years back, quite a few years back probably, and and I, and I was driving along and I, and I stopped, something caught my attention off on the side. There was a cornfield and in the middle of a cornfield, there was just a, um, the beginnings of a, of a road. It, the, the corn had been, I don't know terminology, but cut up and taken down in the road. So there was some gravel being laid in preparation for whatever. A contractor, help me out here, somebody. So. <laughs> so in this, I look over and I see this, this road road and it prompted me to stop. And I don't know why other than to remember and tell you today, <laughs> I stopped and I pulled over on the side of the road and I backed up because you know, those big signs that say, you know, has like the caution lines and all that. And it says, and the, 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 the barricade said road closed. And I looked at it for a minute and I got, I even got out of the car and I was looking and I was thinking, that is the puniest road I've ever seen in my life. It doesn't even look like a road. But listen to this, in the creator's mind, in the contractor's mind, that was as good of a road as it ever would be at that moment, even though it wasn't completed. He was already calling it a road before it appeared to be one. The contractor, the creator, knew what he was building, what his vision was, so he called it what it was. God is calling you today what he's placed inside of you. The road didn't appear to me as a road, but he or she who was creating it to be that already called it what it was already had road closed. It would have been easier, in my opinion, to me to say, we're building a road here. 
Don't, don't pass this line. We're building a road. Don't mess up what we got going on. We're building a road. You ought to tell two people, don't mess up what I got going on. God's building a road. <laughs> God's building a road. It doesn't look like much right now, but the creator has a plan and an opinion about you and he's fulfilling it. If you'll just walk it out. A creator thinks highly of his creation. We try, here's, here's my opinion. Let me put that disclaimer. I got that from Christina. She does a disclaimer sometimes. Very creative and cool. Let me give you my disclaimer. This is my opinion. That's it. Take it, take it or leave it. This is it. My opinion is, and it's, a, and it's true, so be sure to take it. Write this down. My opinion is, is that we, mm, let, me, let me see how to say this without being a turd. So, we, we try to make it about us. Right. God, we know that, that we're supposed to do something, but we try to make it about us just like Saul did. I mean, it's, it's human, it's humanity. It's human nature. Just like Saul did starts bringing out all this stuff. Like God didn't know. (laughs) Right. In today's times, it would be like, you know, I've called you to work in children's church. Yeah, but I've been divorced. God, I I can't do that. No, I can't go. You don't know what I've done in the past. God, I I don't know what you've done in the past. I'm God. But we try to make it about ourselves. But let me rest, let you rest assured that God is going to get the glory from it no matter what. That's what his plan is from the beginning is to get the glory from what you've done. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, it says that God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him has nothing to do with us, has nothing to do with us. But in our own human mind, our own human nature, we start trying to make it about us and try to make it about what we can do or what we can't do or what we feel like we've been called to do or what we feel like we haven't been called to do. God gives us the desire and power, but we limit the power by diffusing the desire. We make light of the desire by our own insecurities. And in, in, in that case, we void out the power because we don't ever get to that part. He gives the desire and the power, but we get to the desire part and we kind of, mm, let me go back over here. I don't want to get to the power. We don't give ourselves time to get to the power because we're so concerned with how we are going to do with the desire. But it's not even in our own power. And it's not even to please us. It's not even to please the people you're doing it for. I mean, I'm sure it happens. I'm sure Pastor Cheryl loves it when people come up and help her in children's church. But it's to please God. It's to please him. The desire and the power that God gives you pleases him when you do it. God gives us desire. He puts the plan in our minds. He gives us the dream. He gives us the vision. He gives us the want to. He gives us the passion, but we don't recognize the power because we're caught up in our own self. 
Even the small details make a huge difference. Small details where you feel insignificant, where you feel like it didn't really matter whether you did it or not, make a huge difference. Think about Naaman. Y'all remember Naaman? Healed of leprosy by Elijah in 2 Kings 5. The only reason, now get this, the only reason that that came to pass is by a little girl that wasn't even named. The word of God doesn't even tell us her name, but it's a little servant girl that the Bible says comes up to her mistress and says, if only my master would go and see the prophet, he'd be healed of his leprosy. Had she thought in her mind, you know what? The devil is a lie. I'm a little servant girl. I'm not going to open my mouth and start talking out of turn because I don't know. It's just, they're not going to take me seriously. I'm a servant. I'm a little girl. It wasn't even a grown woman servant. It was a little girl servant. The Bible says, read it. Second Kings five. And then, and then, but, but the mistress who she was serving told Naaman about it. Naaman goes out, seeks out, finds Elijah, and is healed instantly of leprosy. Naaman was needed. He was, the Bible calls him a mighty man of God. He was sought after, right? He was strong in war, strong in battle. And so he doesn't, he doesn't, he, if he had not listened to the little girl, to the little servant, he, he, wouldn't have, he wouldn't have gotten healed. If she hadn't spoken up, if she had thought in her mind, I'm, I'm insignificant, I'm little, I'm not strong enough, I'm not, I'm not good enough to be telling them about this, then he would not even have ever gotten to where he was. He wouldn't have gotten healed. We think in our minds, we put limitations on our own self and think in our minds that we're insignificant or that we're small or that we're little or that we're unqualified because we've listened to the world and the naysayers long enough instead of what our created creator called us to be. It's the little things that make the biggest difference. I was talking to someone one time, not here, but it was at the, um, at a different church and, and he, and he always mopped the foyer before service started. And he was talking to me one time and he said, um, you know, I don't even think people notice that I mopped the foyer. I don't, I mean, I really don't, I think it's a waste of my time, honestly. I don't want to get up early or come here the night before, mop and try to get all that done. And then, you know, cause it's just, it's insignificant. It's small. And I said, okay, here's, here's the deal. His name I won't tell you his, yeah, well, Richard, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all the way in Granberry. You'll never, you'll never meet him. And if you do, don't tell him. So, <laughs> so Richard tells me, you know, it's insignificant. I don't want to mop the foyer. And I tell him, don't do it for one Sunday. Don't tell anybody. You know, don't, don't say I'm not going to do it, but just don't do it for one Sunday and see what the response is. I was just as curious as he was, honestly, because whenever he started telling me, I was like, I didn't know you mopped the foyer. <laughs> honest. I mean, I'm being honest. I had no clue. So, but guess what came up in the staff meeting that next week? Hmm. Did Richard not mop the foyer? 
The little things make a huge difference. You might be thinking to yourself, well, golly, all I did was change a diaper. If you don't think there's a calling to change a diaper, something's wrong with you. <laughs> that may not be my calling, <laughs> but it is a calling. I hope not too. But it is a calling. Right? You put me in kids' church, I'll go to jail. I beat them. No, I'm just kidding. I'm really kidding. I promise I'm kidding. <laughs> so, but you think, you think, well, all I did was change a diaper, or all I did was, was click the words, or all I did was move some of the sound, or all I did was, was mop and sweep the foyer. Thank you, Bobby, for that. Thank God for Bobby. Or all I did was, was straighten up the chairs or all I did was, uh, uh, make the coffee, Ed. When Ed is gone, there is, it's in shambles. <laughs> it is shambles. One Sunday when we first got here, Ed wasn't here. He was, he wasn't feeling well. So he wasn't here. And I was back there. I'm trying to make the coffee and I'm people are demanding coffee cups and I'm like, what are you, queen? You get a glass coffee cup? Here you go. Okay. You know, well, but Ed's got in his mind, Ed's got it down pat. He knows who gets the coffee cups. He knows who doesn't mind a styrofoam cup. He plans out the, the morning. He gets the coffee ready. He sets everything out. And I honestly didn't realize what he did. I, re, I just, I really didn't. But then whenever I start going in there and I'm scrambling around trying to get something done because I saw a need and I was trying to do it, people's complaining about the coffee and saying, it's too dark, you have black silk, do you have, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Coffee's coffee, drink it. Do you have any of the chocolate one? I'm like, if you don't get out of here, get out of here with all that, I, I ain't in the mood. Nothing is too insignificant or too small to run and to make sure the body of Christ is flowing the way that it should be. We've listened to the naysayers in the world long enough. What the creator called us is what we are. The opinion of God trumps the opinion of man every time. We have to make a shift and start believing about us what we are created for. When you feel or you're told that you can't do something or you're not doing it right or you're insignificant or you don't, you're, not, you're, you're not doing maybe what other people think you might be doing, but you know that it's the call of God, begin to worship him. Just stop immediately. When you start feeling too small, when you start feeling that you aren't qualified or you're unequipped or you don't, or you're too embarrassed even to do it. I know some people that have gifts and callings that are too embarrassed or too ashamed or too whatever it is to stand up and do it. But the plans are put there for a purpose. So when you start feeling like that, let me, let me just remind you that it's not God telling you how unqualified and unequipped you are. Yep. It's the voice of the enemy. Yep. So when you get to that place, just stop immediately, stop where you're at, stop what you're doing and begin to worship God. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying sing. I'm not saying and you're in the middle of Walmart and just say, how great thou art. Like, I mean, 
you can if you want to, but worship is not only singing. Worship is telling God who he is. Worship is thanking God for what he's done. Worship is just having a relationship, an, in, an intimate encounter with your father. And when you, God is all about exchanges, right? If you, if you look back all through the word of God, there's exchanges that take place. Poor for rich, heal, you know, sick for healed. All of these things that God became so that you could become greater. All the things are an exchange. God is a God of exchange. And when you begin to just worship him and say, Father, you're holy. He'll say, I've made you righteous. You say, Father, you're beautiful. He said, you're created in my image. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? You say, God, you're good. He said, you're the apple of my eye. Lord, you're my provider. He said, you're blessed in the city and blessed in the field. If that doesn't give you an ego boost, if that doesn't help you get up and get out, I don't know what will. When you hear directly the opinion of God directly to you, it changes things. It begins to change things in your life. Romans chapter 12, I want to read in verse 4. Can we put that up on the board, Pastor Whitney? We're going to go through verse 8. It says, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one in the body of Christ and individually members of one another. Having then different gifts or gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is, this is something that's amazing to me, that the word of God sneaks in exhortation, showing mercy, giving. Come on, any tithers in here today, that's just as vital. Giving exhortation, which means just encouraging them, lifting somebody up, sneaks it right in there with prophecy <laughs> and teaching and ministering. Like, like, it, like it was just made together. He who prophesies, let him prophesy. He who teaches, let him teach. He who encourages people, let him encourage them. He who gives, gives liberally. But we think that they're insignificant but it's in the same category as the guy with the mic. So what this is telling me is that Dr. Holler and Pastor Ann come up and preach. We know we have a giant slayer for a pastor, Pastor Ann the giant slayer. All the miracles and things that she has been involved in through the years that God has used her. When you tell somebody, dude, you did a good job today. It's in the same list. When you stand to your feet and say, God, I'm giving what belongs to you, to you. It's in the same list. When you, are you hearing me? This is good stuff. Whenever you tell somebody, I'm going to show you mercy. I, you deserve something awful, but I'm going to give mercy to you. I'm going to grant mercy to you from me. It's in the same list. 
I was reading that and I was like, that is insane. That is insane. We have prophecy, teaching, encouraging, giving, and showing mercy. <laughs> That's so good. I can do the last three for sure. <laughs> I can cry. I can encourage somebody. I can show them mercy. I can give. That's all right. Let's read verses 9 through 13. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. It's all the list. All these things are what the members and the body of Christ are walking in. But we, God considers it all in the same list, but we try to prioritize it in our own abilities and in our own insecurities and in our own minds to make others greater than what our calling is or others greater than what we feel like we're equipped to do God has more for us to do than we allow ourselves to do because we limited ourselves all these things work hand in hand as the member and the body as a member in the body of Christ if you're here this morning and you're and you're 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 thinking about what I said and you want to maybe hit me <laughs> don't do that because I'm not talking personally, I'm just talking scripturally and I included myself in all of that. But if you're here this morning and you're like, Casey, I wanna just, I, I know that there's things that I could be doing or that I know, I recognize that there's gifts. I recognize that there's callings. I recognize that there's things that God has put inside of me that I'm, that he's revealing to me or that he's showing me. I want you to just stand to your feet and you, and you say, I don't, I don't use it, but I, I want to start doing that. Or I feel like maybe I could do more than, than what I'm doing right now. I, you, God, you've given me something, and I, and, I, and I feel like I don't use it to glorify you. I feel like I don't, I'm, 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 I'm holding it hostage and not allowing the Holy Ghost to work through what the gift that you've given me to do.